Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. The message of grace is this. We receive salvation by grace through faith in Jesus plus nothing. It's all Him, nothing that we do. It's not our works. It's not our religion. It's not our best effort. All of it is the free, loving grace of God. So we've been studying all the meanings of that um, and applying it to our lives for um, 11 weeks. This will be the 12th week. Well, last week we read the last words of that letter and I kind of rushed through the very final words, and I, I thought we were doing something else today, but in my prayers, I felt like we weren't done, and I need to go back and, and do a better job of finishing what I zipped through last time. So the main message last week was that sowing and reaping are a real issue. Yes, there's grace. Yes, we cannot earn salvation. Yes, we are made right, by, right with God by faith in Jesus alone. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus something else ruins everything. Every time we try to get ourselves in the process of making and earning our way to God, it messes everything up in our relationship with Him and our relationship with each other. That didn't mean, though, we learned last week, that what we do has no consequence. The fact that we're free from the law of Moses doesn't mean that the law of Moses doesn't mean anything. It still describes what God likes. It still describes what we shouldn't do, and it still describes the effects of sin. So we saw that what we sow, we reap. And if we sow to the flesh, we reap corruption. If we throw this, sow to the spirit, we reap life. And if, if you don't know what sowing and reaping is, that's farming language. To sow a seed is to plant a seed in the ground, and to reap is to see the harvest. So we talked about that last week, but now we're going to read the final words of Paul. So Let's do that. Oh, I want to give credit. I like to make sure I'm not plagiarizing because most of the thoughts that I present to you have been at least inspired by other people. A lot of what I'm thinking about today in this teaching came from a guy in England named N.T. Wright. And I would just offer to you that you would do well to expose yourself to his, his teaching, his theology. He's impacted the globe with a fresh understanding of things that were understood by the first century Christians lost much in the Western church, has been restored. A lot, in, a lot to do with his teaching. N.T. Wright, he was a bishop in the Anglican church. Um, he, one of his books that is helpful if you like to read is called Surprised by Hope, N.T. Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. He speaks a lot of the understanding of new creation, which is a word that we're going to see in a second when we read this part of Galatians. You feel like you just entered classroom. It just the dynamic just changed, huh? How you doing, class? Got your pencils ready? Got your your um, textbooks out? Your textbook is the Bible. Need something to write on? You'll find something, Paul. Let's pray, Lord. We're gonna read your word. We're going to attempt to understand. We're coming with faith that you have something to say to us that will impact us. Individually, it will impact us together. will even impact our world as we assimilate the truth of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit. Speak to us. Come, Holy Spirit. Teach us. Open our eyes. Open our minds. Cause us to grow in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to dive right into reading where we left off 
at the end of the letter. Always awkward, by the way, to pick up someone's letter to you and like read like the, the last page. You would never do that in real life, right? You'd always pick up a letter and read it from the dear Ron, it's good to hear from you, and you'd read the whole thing. We don't have time to do that, but this is a letter. If you haven't picked up the context before, please read it. It's very short. Galatians, we are in the sixth chapter, verse 11. And he says these words, see what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Okay, stop, what's happening? Paul has been dictating a letter through a secretary. So you picture him, he's, he's walking, you feel the passion, you know. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? I showed you in chapter 3, Jesus crucified. Remember how he was talking um, strongly to those Galatians about the people that are trying to dissuade them from the truth of the gospel. So he's doing all this, writing through a secretary, and he pauses, and he does this in a lot of his letters in the New Testament, and goes, give me the pens. And he probably looks at what he wrote, and he goes, I'm going to write the rest of this with my own hand. That's why he says, see what large letters I used to write with my own hands. This was a parchment that showed up at some churches. People saw it. They saw the writing. And all of a sudden, Paul must write really big. And he's going to passionately write in his own hand the final thoughts, which makes me think these have some emphasis that I want to listen to. Those who want to make a good impression, those people we've been calling Judaizers, those people that are telling the churches, stop following Paul, follow us. Paul has got a, not a complete gospel. He's been telling you just follow Jesus and you don't have to do anything else, but we're telling you you have to follow Jesus plus something. Those people... You ought to be circumcised, they were telling them, and you ought to follow the laws of Moses. Those people, those who want to make a good impression outwardly, are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Understand, persecution is beginning in the Roman Empire. Now, it turns out that the Jewish religion was a designated legal religion in the Jewish Empire. These Christians were all Jewish, but now they're adding Gentiles, and they're no longer following the laws of Moses. So they're not going to be under that exception clause in the Roman Empire. They're liable to be persecuted. They have an illegal religion. It's not recognized. Those are just trying to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Also, the Jewish leadership was persecuting Christians. So they're just, you know, he's just saying, these people don't have good motives, one, they're trying to avoid being persecuted, and the fact is not even those who are into the circumcision are following the laws of God. How are they doing on love your neighbor as yourself, for example? Yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. They want to be able to say, look, we got more converts to our religious cause. And then he says this. This is where it's, it's getting important. This next sentences, these next sentences are the, the anchor for what we're going to talk about today. So listen carefully. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. Neither being really good at following religious rites or being a failure at doing religious things matters. Doesn't mean anything. What counts is new creation. So get that in your mind. We're talking about what counts is the cross and some concept called new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. 
even to the Israel of God. Now, may I boast only in the cross of Jesus, he said, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Remember when we said, sin, you're dead to me? Remember that part of the series? We are to consider ourselves dead to sin. And Paul's saying, I, because of Jesus' death, consider myself as dead to this world system. I'm dead to it. It has no rights to me anymore. It doesn't influence me. Would you pause and think about the influence that the world's systems have on you? The world's values. What does it mean to be successful in the world? Well, you make a lot of money. You have a really good-looking body. Maybe you're famous. Um, if you're like me, you go and get a hair transplant, so you have a good head of hair. You know, you, you have to look good. You have to be rich, hopefully, because that's successful. You have to live in the right place. You have to look cool. Those are all worldly standards. Paul says that kind of stuff and all the rest that goes with it has no hold on me. I've been crucified to the world. Have you been crucified to the world? Because that's what Jesus' life in you can accomplish. The world's been crucified to me. You're dead to me with a New York accent. You have nothing in me. By the way, let me just pause there. That doesn't mean, in a sense, that much of the church has thought through the ages that the world is bad and evil. We've got to protect ourselves from the world, so let's make a safe little Christian bubble so we can keep the cooties out and we can take care of ourselves because we don't want the world to have any influence on us. You know that feeling. Separate from the world. Make our own radio stations. Make our own movies. Make our own everything. Let's even have a little housing in this world. We all live together. It'll be a safe place. It doesn't say that. It's not... In fact, if it did say that, the world would have control over us. See how that works? I'm dead to the world means it just has no rights in my life. It does not control me. I'm not subject to it. And rather than trying to save myself from the world... Quite the opposite is true. I am called to bring salvation into the world. Not trying to save myself from the world, I join Jesus in bringing salvation to the world. So let me quote from a guy that I referred to in previous talks, Tim Keller. He says this, to boast. What does to boast mean? To boast is to joyously exult and to have high confidence in something. To know you are saved by Christ's work alone brings a joyous, boasting confidence. Not a self-confidence, but a Christ confidence. Oh, I love that. Not a self-confidence. You go, I hear Keith say man somewhere. Where is he, brother? <laughs> yes. Oh, come on. <laughs> so, this is my friend Keith, by the way. If you haven't gotten to know him, you want to get to know this brother. Um, don't boast in anything but in the cross of Christ through whom I have been crucified to the world. The world's crucified to me. It's dead to me. To boast is to be joyously confident. And what I was quoting from in um, Keller, the Christian is now free to enjoy the world because he no longer needs to fear it or worship it. I have confidence because I have Christ's 
confidence in me because I'm dead to the world and alive to Jesus Christ. That's kind of in there. So read verse 15 again. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision matters. You know, you, you folks that are not getting circumcised, the following Judaizers, you that are, neither of that matters. You're not better or worse for either one. Being religious, not being religious. Failing at religion, none of it matters. It's only Christ, Jesus plus nothing. The only thing that counts is the overflow of that new creation. And that's the phrase that's not in most of our minds immediately. We talked about this at Easter, and I'm going to teach some of those things again because I super, 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 super really want you to understand and live out the meaning of new creation. Okay? So please pay attention. And if you don't get it, say, Ron, I didn't understand what you're talking about. Call me up. I'll give you a a one-on-one until we know this stuff. I want to live this stuff because it changes the way you live when you understand what new creation means. It just just (laughs) renovates your life. So what matters, Paul writing in his own hand, what counts? I'm listening, Paul. What, What is it that counts? Well, there's only one thing that counts. What is it, Paul? New creation, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. So I'm, gonna, I'm trying to answer for us, as much as we can in, in 25 minutes or so, what does the Bible picture of new creation mean? And, second question, well then what does it mean for me to live out the reality of new creation? What is new creation? What does it mean to live out the reality of new creation? Let me, um, let me just finish his sentence. He's got two more sentences here. Finally, that no one caused me trouble, for I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. He's basically saying, I'm done with this talk now, and don't bug me about it anymore. I don't want to talk about this other religious business. It's faith in Jesus plus nothing. And don't bug me, because if you just look at me, he's had five different times he's borne the lashes on his back. The 40 stripes minus one that the Jews would do in the Persian, like they did to Jesus. He's had that happen five times. He's been shipwrecked. He's been left for dead. He's been stoned. He's like, look, (laughs) I've lived a few miles. I've walked a few miles. I've lived a few years. I've paid the price. I've got the marks on me. Don't mess with me anymore, you people. (laughs) You hear like there's attitude as he's writing in his own hand. I've I've had enough. I don't want to mess with this anymore. So, New creation is what counts. Let the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. That's the end of the Galatians. I, you know, I like to put thoughts into one sentence that we can take home. Here's the one sentence for today. What counts is new creation. Therefore, let a vision of new creation guide our lives. Let the reality of new creation that was inaugurated in the death of Christ on the cross, in his resurrection and the outpoured spirit, those three, the death, the resurrection, and the outpoured spirit, empower us to join him in bringing his salvation to our world. Another way to say that would be bringing new creation to our world. So let me back up and remind you of something that I've told you a few times. I bring this out occasionally, but some wise people have said, you know what, all of world history or the history of the Bible, which is the history of the world. All of it can be brought down, boiled down to four chapters. Chapter 1, 
Creation. God creates a perfect world. Chapter 2, fall. People are tempted to disobey God and follow the ruler of this world, Satan. And they bite the fruit. They take the bait. They're tempted. They fall. And the world goes into chaos. Chapter 1, beautiful creation. Chapter 2, fall. And, and it's overlapping what we're still living in today, the effects of sin everywhere. You see it in war and poverty and abuse and divorce and um, violence and poverty and sickness. And all that is the, is the result of the fall. Chapter 1, creation. Chapter 2, fall. Chapter 3, redemption. Immediately, God has a plan to bring redemption to this world. And chapter 4, the consummation of all things is new creation. Does that ring a bell that I've told you that before? I talked about that on Easter. Get that in your mind, because that helps you understand all of world history. Where are we in world history? We're in redemption in the beginning of new creation, because new creation is what resurrection produces. New creation is what resurrection produces. So when Jesus was resurrected, it was the beginning, the inauguration of the new creation that's coming and will be completed, will be consummated at the end of days. Much of the church in the West has thought, we hope someday to receive salvation by going on up to heaven. But that's not how the Bible ends. The way the Bible ends is not the people that have followed Jesus going on up to heaven. The way the Bible ends is heaven coming down to earth. That's how it ends. What Jesus did at the resurrection was the beginning of new creation. Because he was resurrected, we will be resurrected. Because he was resurrected, this whole creation will be resurrected into perfection and beauty. I better read some of what the Bible says. (laughs) I'm going to quote N.T. Wright that I mentioned. God is not going to abolish the universe of space and time and matter. He's going to renew it, to restore it, to fill it with new joy and purpose and delight, to take from it all that has corrupted it. That's new creation. Are you hearing me? I hope you get stirred up. I was reading, reading, reading yesterday, and I stayed up late. I was so excited. (laughs) Stayed up too late, so if I look sleepy, it's because I stayed up too late. Studying, reading this. Oh, Lord. Okay. Prophet Isaiah, this is not a new concept. Prophet Isaiah, chapter 65, he writes, Behold, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. So when John the Beloved writes in the Revelation those words about new creation, he's simply bringing more definition and form to what Isaiah the prophet wrote and prophesied thousands of years even before Jesus. Isaiah chapter 35, he describes it poetically like this. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. That's poetic language of a new heavens and a new earth. So, quoting again from the guy I told you you want to refer to, N.T. Wright. This is from a sermon I listened to. He wrote, he said this, the last book of the Bible ends not with the company of the saved being taken up into heaven, but with the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven to earth, resulting in God's new creation, new heavens, new earth, in which, oh, listen to this, listen to these words. If it doesn't stir you like it stirs me, pinch yourself and wake up. New heavens and new earth in which everything that has been true, lovely, 
and of good report will be vindicated, enhanced, and set free from all pain and sorrow. God himself, it says, will wipe away all tears from all eyes. This is the beginning of the description of new creation, and here's my plan for us. Living in new creation requires us to understand it, and from the understanding of what new creation is in the Bible, we get a vision of where we're going to be at the end, and that can inform the life we're living right now because the life we live right now leads us into where we're going. So that's what Christians do. That's what Jesus did. Remember, Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come, and it is now, but it's not yet. And he brought what he sees at the end into the now with his kingdom, bringing the ruling, reigning authority and power of God by the power of the Spirit into the world today in a sign and a foretaste of what will be fulfilled when he returns did I say that too fast? You all hearing me? So when I get a vision of that, it informs me to live in today where I don't see it fulfilled, but I believe it will be fulfilled, and I believe that Jesus has come to deal with what is not fulfilled and give me the power of the Spirit so I can join him in seeing it fulfilled in my world today. That's why I said, stay with me, what they're doing in Zambia with Breath of Heaven has everything to do with what we're talking about. See, there, the world is corrupt. Poverty is ruling. Death is ruling. There are so many orphans, it's uncountable. There's corruption. and There's all this wrongness. And the man of God gets a vision from the future of new creation where there are no more orphans, there's no more disease, there's no more poverty, where everyone has food, where the world is rejoicing, gets a vision of that from God and brings it into the now and in fact, kids that were living in the old way are now tasting of the new way and experiencing new creation. Do you see that? That's part of what we're called to do. We bring a message and we do works that come together to bring the fulfillment of God's plan for this world. And God's plan is new creation. So Paul said, what counts is new creation. What counts is not religion, doesn't count. What counts is new creation. Now, if you are in Christ Jesus, you are a new creation. Well, you don't really believe that very much, I bet. I don't believe that very much, but the more I fill myself and renew my mind with the word of God, I start to believe it and realize I'm not the way I was. I'm a new creation, and it's not because I'm working hard. It's because God worked hard and made it done. It's not do, it's done. It's not wrong, go do. It's Jesus did. It's done. He's made a new creation in me. Now I need to live it out in the power of the Spirit. <laughs> oh, you're not as excited as me. <laughs> How about if I read Revelation to you? The last words of the Bible. What does John see? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. Well, that's a weird sentence. Let me just stop and explain that. The sea in the Bible always represents, or at least often represents, the turmoil, the chaos of this world system and evil and corruption and all the work of Satan. And God brings order to the sea. And I think, I think what this means is there's no longer any of that. 
Remember, Revelation is full of symbolism. There's no longer any of that sea of corruption and chaos and just all the violence and awful things. That's done because there's a new heaven and a new earth. And watch this. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared. It's so beautiful. It's like a bride dressed for her husband. Have you ever seen a bride on wedding day? You never have? Are you distracted by my brother feeling the love right now? So let me just pause and say, he is feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit, and he has permission to experience the Lord. And I know sometimes in our state, in, in very boring churches, we don't have expression. We can express passion in here. That's what, what's happening with Keith. So you go, Keith. New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepares a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. It's beautiful. And I heard a loud voice from the throne of God saying, this is what's coming in new creation. Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from every eye. This is the future that we are looking to. This is new creation. This gives us a vision of what will be so that we can live now today and what will be, bringing the kingdom of God from the future into the present. That's what it means to bring salvation to this world. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. So when you run into death and mourning and crying and pain in your world, you have the power because of Jesus in you to bring healing to death, mourning, crying, and pain and bring hope for a future that will change it all. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for this is trustworthy and true. How you doing? Yeah. So Paul says, I'll only boast in the cross of Christ. So I, I, let me just pause and tell you what I'm thinking. So I, I kind of think in blocks. I'm thinking, we've talked a little bit about what new creation means, the concept. And the second question I asked is, how do I live today into this new creation? It's all good and fine to have some theological understanding, but how do I live today when the rubber meets the road? That's what I want to ask. How do I live today in this truth? My, my thinking is this. I get a vision of it, and I let the vision of where I'm going drive how I live because I'm bringing a foretaste of what is to come into my life now, not by my own energy, but in cooperation with the energy of God. So I'm going to walk through just a couple ways this works. And I said there were three things. I didn't say it that distinctly, but listen now to what I said. There are three things that help this all come into reality. One, the cross of Christ. Paul said, I will boast only in the cross of Christ. I'm going to talk about that for a little bit, what it accomplished. Two, the resurrection. You can't have one without the other. They are bookends. The cross and the resurrection go together. You don't need a resurrection without the cross. The story of Easter is not just the good ending of a bad story. It's actually the beginning of a new story, the story of new creation. So we have the cross, the resurrection, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit all came together. Those three in my life helped me to live into the vision of the new creation. 
Did that make any sense? You follow that? Cross, resurrection, spirit. Okay, so let me go through some scripture that will bring truth and solidity to this. Jesus on the cross, you've heard me say it before, but I so want everyone who is in my hearing to know this, that you could teach somebody. At the cross, Jesus dealt with sin, dealt with Satan. He dealt with sin, and he dealt with the power of Satan. Satan has ruled in this world and created havoc. Jesus at the cross dealt with that power. It no long, I have power over Satan. Now he doesn't have power over me. Jesus said, do you not know you will trample on snakes and scorpions? I've given you power over all the works of the evil one. Who has power? Satan. No, I, through Jesus, have no worries about Satan in my life. When I'm in Christ, Satan fears, I don't fear. You get that? There's a way to live, new creation living. Okay, so here's what the Bible says, which is the inspired word of God, the truth. Hebrews 9, 26, but now Jesus has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to, read it with me, do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. The cross has dealt with sin. Sin, you're dead to me because of the cross. It has no power over me. I'm no longer a victim of temptation and desires that are out of control in my life to do what I'm not supposed to do. I'm no longer under that power. I do not have to sin anymore because Jesus has dealt with sin at the cross. And when I look in faith to him, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. When I look in faith at the cross, I'm no longer under the power of sin. It's a lie that I have to sin. I don't have to sin. It's really great, great joy. And if I do sin, I have what Kent said. I have the truth that if we, conf- if we do sin, if we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from all that makes us wince. Now the power of Satan. Colossians 2.15, Paul writes this, Having disarmed the powers and authorities, those principalities and powers of darkness that have ruled in the world, Jesus disarmed them. He disarmed them at the cross. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Hebrews 2 says it this way. Since the children have flesh and blood, that's you and me, he too, Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy. The Greek word that's translated destroy is kartageo. It means to render ineffective to destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held by their slavery, in slavery by their fear of death. Cross of Christ. The next phrase that comes out that was in the Old Testament and is in the end at Revelation is that God has always planned to bring rulership to this world through humans. We are stewards. The language in the Bible is you are a kingdom and priest unto God. Yes. King means you are a steward. You are like a vice regent. You are, if you belong to Christ, you are his representative in your world. You have an assignment to be a representative of heaven in your world. That's why you can understand the new creation and bring new creation reality into your world. Because you are called to be a king and a priest. Priest speaks of worship. We gather together and bring worship to God from all of his creation. I loved it when Amy broke into this uh, song spontaneously. She began to sing that song that says, 
let incense rise. Remember that? We were singing that. What is incense? Is the prayers of the saints. I'm sitting there worshiping. We're singing the songs of that worthy are you, O Lord, song. And I could see, I could picture the globe and incense rising from around the globe because day and night, night and day, let incense rise. We sing over and over. That's happening right now. Day and night, 24 hours a day, there's no time on this planet when someone is not praying or worshiping Jesus. No place on this planet where that's not happening. It's amazing. We're to be kings and priests. So here's the language now, back in Revelation. Grace and peace to you, chapter 1, verse 4. From him who was and is and is to come, from the sevenfold spirit before his throne, from Jesus Christ, the faithfulness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of kings of the earth, to, here's the phrase you need to hear, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and our Father. This is part of new creation, where you and I, who've put our faith in Jesus, will join Jesus as a kingdom, ruling and reigning with him, bringing his good rule to the earth. And listen, our call is today to join him in bringing his ruling, reigning goodness to this planet. We're already living what will be. Revelation 5. They sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. This is speaking of Jesus, the Lamb of God. Because you were slain. This is what the cross did. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests. There's the language again, folks. This is you. Understand new creation. Get a vision of what is to be at the return of Jesus and what has already been set in motion by the resurrection of Jesus. You are already starting to live as a kingdom and priest to serve our God, to represent him to this world. Bring the kingdom of God here to join Jesus in bringing the kingdom of God. And they will reign on the earth. That was Revelation 5. And just, I, I need you to know, if you don't know, that's just a repeat of what was written in the Exodus. Exodus, Moses goes up to God, 19th chapter. And God says, this is what you're to say to the Jacob, what you tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt, how I carried you on the eagle's rings and brought you to myself. If you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole world is mine, you will be for me a kingdom and priests and a holy nation. That's in Exodus. It's what will be at the end. It's always been God's intent that he uses humans to bring his good reign and rule to this planet. The fall has brought destruction. Immediately the redemption plan begins to go into effect. Jesus consummates it at the cross, destroying sin, destroying the power of Satan. Three days later, he's resurrected, inaugurating new creation. His body is not a new body, it's a recreated old body from the same material. It's the same Jesus, but it's newly created in a new way. He says the same thing will happen to you at the resurrection. The same thing will happen to this planet. All that sorrowful washed away. New creation is our hope and our future. So, 
with that vision, I want to highlight just two things that the Bible teaches are implemented in our lives. Just two. We, who will be a new creation, we who have trusted in Jesus, plus nothing, equals everything, who are living the beginnings of resurrected life, we are to be like a sign and a foretaste to this world of what will come so that people will join us, put their faith in Jesus, and begin to experience with us what we will all experience together. We're living in the presence of the future. Two things come to mind about how we live out new creation. The first is that being a new creation calls us into communities that we call churches, but it's just really any kind of community gathering of people who love Jesus. And it's different than the world because, well, in Paul's day, Jews and Gentiles who were always at odds now came together as one, loving each other, loving God. Remember Paul's language? There's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither rich nor poor, not male, not female, not slave, not master, not rich, not poor, but you are all one in Christ. And Paul led congregations like this of people who came from every opposite area where the kingdoms of this world would cause them to be at war. The oppressed and the oppressor, they would be called. But here in the body of Christ, in new creation, we come together, and if we are living this out, this is how we live out new creation. We are loving each other. We are forgiving each other. We are with people that are not like us, the poor and the rich, and we have equality before God. We, the male, the female. Races that didn't get together before are now together as one, loving each other. And when we are living like that, under the instruction of the Word, under the power of the Spirit, we are living out new creation. Do you see that? The way we love each other shows the world that we are disciples of Christ. So therefore, how do I live out new creation? Because Paul said, the only thing that matters is new creation. I understand from the Bible and the things I just read to you. I get a vision of where I'll be. I let that vision drive me today so that I live now like I will live then. And I call on the power of the Spirit and I call on God and I reach out in prayer and I am empowered to live what will be then so that I love people I wouldn't normally love. And I lay my life down to serve people that I wouldn't normally do outside of Christ. And love grows and then... It also turns outward, and we do acts of righteousness that correspond with bringing the kingdom of God in practical ways and powerful ways, like we were just talking about the Afghani refugees, right? I'm right now looking into um, what is already in progress, in place, in San Diego, and I'll be bringing it to you what I find, where we can practically live out what we say with our mouths that the kingdom of God has come. We can go to some people who are orphaned, who are widowed, who are in poverty, who've lost everything, who've lost their culture, who've been moved to a new place, and bring the love of Jesus and feed the hungry and clothe the naked and love the hurting and embrace the lost 
and help people find their way. That would be an example of living out new creation. Taking care of orphans, like I described in Zambia, is new creation work. It's empowered by the Spirit, but it's also very practical. We do it in word. We do it in deed. Here's some scripture that says that. Micah, way back in the Old Testament. With what shall I come before the Lord, and how will I bow down before the Lord, and the Lord be exalted? How shall I worship? Shall I bring him just lots of offerings, burnt offerings, calves? What will the Lord be pleased with? Verse 8, he showed you, O man, what is good, what, God does, what the Lord requires of you, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To walk humbly, act justly, love mercy. The prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 58, is this the kind of fast I want? Just to come and not eat? No. This is the kind of fasting I've chosen, the Lord says, to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke, to share your food with the hungry, to provide for the poor wonder with shelter, when you see the naked to clothe them, and to not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like dawn, your healing will quickly appear, your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. All and the Lord will answer you, cry for help, and he'll say, here am I. Did you hear those words? We could, I mean, do a whole sermon on that. This is what it's called. This is new creation life. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing of the finger, with malicious talk, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in darkness. That's the picture. One more. Jesus said this. The king at the time when Jesus returns, the king will say, I was right. Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. I was a stranger. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you visited me. The righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink or naked and clothe you? And he said, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. What counts is new creation. I will boast in nothing but Christ crucified the cross through whom I've been crucified to this world and the world to me. What counts is a new creation. Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, writes at length about the resurrection and the resurrection body and concludes that section in 1 Corinthians 15, concludes about resurrection, which is new creation, with these words. Therefore, my dear brothers, this is 1 Corinthians 15, 58, the end of a long section about resurrection. Therefore, conclusion, my brothers, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you have a vision of new creation, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor is not in vain. Because of Jesus, am I looking at the cross in faith? 
Sin has been dealt with. Satan has been destroyed. Jesus has been resurrected and inaugurated new creation. I am a new creation in Christ because of his death and resurrection. I will be part of the whole plan of the new creation in the future. That gives me a vision for today where I can loose the cords of oppression. I can minister to the sick with the power of the Spirit and with love and character. And I can bring a life that is the life of the future into the now with a message that if you put your faith in Jesus, he's going to set everything to right. He's going to deal with all the oppression of this world. He's going to make it right someday, and he's already started today. Let me pray for you, because I think God cares about your problem and wants to help you now. And then he does. And then he brings healing. Then he brings forgiveness. Then he brings provision. Then he brings care for the orphan. Then he brings binding up of the wounded. Then he brings love to those that are fearful because they become refugees in a new land. The kingdom of God comes in our neighborhoods, in the world around us, with those closest, with those who are strangers, because we are living as a new creation. Paul said, what is it that counts? Only thing. New creation. So let me say again, sermon and sentence. What counts is new creation. Therefore, let a vision of new creation guide our lives. Let the reality of new creation inaugurated in the cross of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, and the outpoured spirit empower us to join him in bringing his salvation to this world. Amen. Let's stand together. The preacher has just said a lot of fast words in our hearing. <laughs> Let's see if the Holy Spirit will say it differently in our hearts. Holy Spirit, come. We have welcomed you with praise. We have lifted our prayers to you. We've sat in the hearing of the word. Now, Holy Spirit, let the word like seed be planted in our hearts. Let every person online and in this room have a vision of new creation. Ladies and gentlemen, in my hearing, if you have never put your faith in Jesus, this is your time. You too will become a new creation. You will live today what will be fulfilled in the future if you put your faith in Jesus. Everything, everything will change. Nothing will be the same. Trust him with your life. To put your faith in Jesus is to trust him with your life. So the way you do that is you, you, maybe you say something to him like this. Jesus, I trust you with my life. 
make me a new creation. Deal with my sins. Destroy the power of Satan in my life. Raise me to new life. I trust you with my life, Jesus. From now on, you're the king. You're my king. You are my king. You are my Lord. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.